Shut up and sit down. Hi, I'm Corbin. And I'm Katie. And we are the, the Vagabonds. Two best friends adventuring through the world of lady stuff, one episode at a time. We don't give medical advice, and we don't seek for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having at bars anyway. What's up? Hello! Hi. That's like my thing now. The gang's all here. Yeah, we're back in the bunker. So exciting. Wait, we were a bit in the bunker last time. Yeah. yeah, we were. Sorry. We're in the bunker. But getting... we're in the bunker again. Yeah. Back at it again. Uh, uh, yeah. What What's up with you, Katie? Um, nothing. It's So we're recording on Labor Day. Yeah. Uh, part, the, part the kimono, if you will. Uh, so we haven't had to do anything all day. It's been amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a cold, though. Oh, My daughter feels that Labor Day means that one shouldn't have to do any... Uh, housework or oh. you know picking up toys or things mm-hmm. like that i would tend to agree with her. um yeah <laughs> i, I mean the her. unions <laughs> have worked for her right to refuse <laughs> I don't, child labor, labor laws is that what it was child about? labor laws <laughs> yeah actually there was a really so i listened to a podcast called stuff you Sh- or stuff mom never told you it's from the stuff you should know network they actually just did a really uh good podcast about like the like why we have labor day and the women behind it so it was good if you want to learn about labor day you should listen to it because i thought it was really good but uh well i was gonna say something else though about labor day oh one of my friends is a peds resident and he's on uh newborn nursery this month and he snapchatted me today and was like i'm in newborn nursery on labor day (laughs) (laughs) it was adorable i wonder how many women are laboring today i know probably quite a few but yeah, how about you, Dave? What's up with you? Nothing. I've just been, uh, you know, this nice long weekend at home. Um, I feel like we're hitting every I know, even piece of our equipment <laughs> yeah. today. Sorry yeah. for the noises. Um, yeah, nothing to report. All right. Nothing at all to report. It's just been a nice, long, pleasant uh, weekend um, without stress. Good. Which I like. That's good. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're, we're full of exciting updates aren't we i know that's good though sometimes you just like need a chill weekend where you don't do anything i kind of did it it was a rough end to the week i won't yeah explain why but it was just a long a long a long friday yeah but we made it fair enough we made it yeah well speaking of labor let's uh just jump into our topic so have you so right now uh hurricane harvey or it's been downgraded to a tropical storm now again i think uh you know is like ravaging texas and so and do you ever wonder what happens when people are pregnant and they go into labor during a hurricane oh yeah totally. i imagine that eventually they have a baby hopefully you'll be correct yeah well, so um, today we're just going to talk, since this is happening to a big portion of people in the U.S., we're going to talk about what it's like to be a doctor in Houston right now. So NPR has an article, the title is, In a Houston Emergency Room, It Was a Week Like No Other. And so it just talks about like these emergency room physicians and what it's like uh, as the only... Um, this says that St. Joseph Medical Center is the only hospital in downtown Houston. So um, it just kind of talks about like what their lives have been like um, this past few weeks. But yeah, so... Um, how many 
What? Do you, how many people does that hospital serve? Um, that's a good question. That I don't know the answer to. Okay, we'll keep going. I'll figure it out. Yeah, okay. You look it up. Um, so, basically, um, a lot of the stories are like, we haven't been home all week. Like, we don't even know if our home... You know, it's like from the providers, like from nurses and doctors and um, people like that. So, it's like, we don't even know if our houses are underwater, you know, like stuff like this. Um, there's a really... But going off the, like, OB side of things, there's a story about a lady who... Um, the only way that she could get through the water was a dump truck and she was in labor and so she like came in in a dump truck and like was in labor and had to you know like had her baby and stuff so um and then they go on to talk about like as they were getting her to like go over to the women's building um to be admitted they had a trauma come in and then they had someone with a stroke come in and you know just like all this stuff and it's it's kind of crazy to think about like our er here in iowa city is like crazy on a normal day Mm -hmm. and if you just like you know you take like all the normal things that people come to the er for so like a stroke or you know like a fall or whatever and all those things plus like all the emergency things that are happening it's just Mm -hmm. crazy yeah and plus you just don't have the support you know the backup infrastructure support that you might always have right yeah which is um modern medicine needs a lot of infrastructure yeah that'd be another really interesting episode actually there's like um you know these stories of people so like when we were in Niger Corbin and I we uh operated in in ORs without air conditioning and like the power would go out sometimes um and I have heard like some stories coming up about like physicians here who that's happened to now and uh they like don't know how to handle it and that's just like very interesting to think about St. Joseph's has uh, 792 beds oh nice that's huge um but it in 2015 it lost its uh CMS funding Aww. um after inspections found uh deficiencies uh jeopardizing patient safety so dang so they're uh they're uh not especially well funded hospital with a big patient population and a lot of work to do post harvey yeah like all of houston like all of houston yeah Mm -hmm. um but yeah um this is kind of a tangent but yeah and it kind of comes up in situations like this I only consider myself as having a medical skill if I could still do it in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> That's okay. I like this. That's so, really good. Like, <laughs> That's truly great. With no extra support or no fancy medical equipment, could I still do whatever? Yeah. And that's how you know if your skills are really worthwhile or not. (laughs) That's true. I like that. Yeah. But like, what about a C-section? Like, so that wouldn't count, right? Because you need like anesthesia and... You can still do it. You could do it, couldn't you? It just wouldn't be any fun for anybody. Um, There is a... Wait, no, but... story of... uh, Are you saying like you could do your own epidural? Like you could do it by yourself? Or are you saying like if you had the other people around? All those things. Like if you could... Like for instance... Like, if you, you should be able to set your own IVs and stuff like that. And Okay, yeah. I agree. Well, uh, yeah, but, I mean, you know the theory behind an epidural. You, you may right. not have done it often, but you know the theory. So, in a pinch, you could, you know, in, in an apocalypse. It's like, could you split, could you split you could a try wound it. or, I don't know, you know, something like that. Yeah. But uh, there's a story of, like, I think I actually heard it on This American Life, maybe, 
of a surgeon in Antarctica. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he had to do his own appendectomy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the level I aspire to. Yeah, same. I don't think I would have the stomach to do something like that, but... That guy has some major... Ma- I want to say balls, but maybe that's not appropriate on this podcast. Ovaries, if you will. Ovaries. He's, ovaries. He's got some oves. Or uh, throwback to one of our episodes where we talked about um, Trevor Noah. He's got a vagina. He's got a vagina. Yeah, he's tough. <laughs> the fact that that's funny. I know. Is uh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, apparently, they he like passed out a bunch of times when he was doing that. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, I totally I don't blame him. Yeah. Say, yeah. No. Like pass. I totally understand. Yeah. But that's just you know it's like crazy like to think about when you pass out like I would not want to keep doing surgery on myself after I passed out. Yeah. You know. No, Ugh, but it's, it's crazy. Like that or die. Yeah, it's true. I know. I uh, I felt really good about my medical skills when I diagnosed my brother with appendicitis over the phone. I was feeling very good about myself when that happened. Uh, I okay. It's a pretty. I mean, I was gonna say try to say something clever, but it didn't happen. It's a pretty easy diagnosis, so I really shouldn't be that proud. But I was just like, man, there like comes this. I was talking to one of my friends about this the other day. There comes this time in medical education where you go from oh my gosh, shit, I don't know anything to whoa. How, how do I know that? Like, that's the right answer, but how, how do I get there? And, you know, I think it become it comes like partway through your like first clinical year when you like have seen enough stuff to like be pretty, uh, pretty confident. I imagine it's like learning a foreign language. Like at the, you, you know, you know it when you start dreaming in that foreign language. That's when, mm. that's, I've, that's what I've heard from people who know foreign languages. I yeah. don't know foreign languages. I also feel like there's a, a kind of like nuance to medicine in the sense of so i think there have been study i think you've actually talked about it on the short code podcast about how artificial intelligence actually doesn't do as good of a job as physicians do mm-hmm. and i i think it does have to do with a certain level of like so for instance in art with artificial intelligence someone complaining of nausea is someone complaining of nausea but oh, in the yeah. real world, someone complaining of nausea is either vomiting all over you or they're just like, mm, my stomach's a little upset. Right. Yeah. And so once you get, I feel like you kind of get the feeling of what those things are. You've internalized the algorithms, yeah. basically. You, you, you don't need to stop and think about so much about what it is you're doing. Some things become just part of you I guess. yeah well and it's like i think what corbin's like kind of getting that is like the amount of information you just get just by walking into a patient's room and looking at them like without asking them any questions or like you know because like you can tell so like you know you you see like i see memes all the time you know about like these p- patient has like 10 out of 10 pain but they're like sitting there on their phone like laughing with their friends you oh, know yeah. it's like you get a lot so like so i see so like an ai would be like oh you have 10 out of 10 pain right yeah and they wouldn't question that right, right. I get it. But it's like, not that you shouldn't believe people when they say they have pain, because that's a whole different issue, which would also be a really interesting episode, because um, like women's pain isn't taken as seriously as men's on average. But or, anyway. Uh, black people's pain. Yeah. yeah, or people of color. And so, anyway, but anyway, so like, but you know, like, like uh, I think a really good example of like the nausea thing that Corbin said was like, so babies, there's this thing called pyloric stenosis. And so like, if you walk in and a baby is just like spitting up, that looks way different than like projectile vomiting that they have with pyloric stenosis. And so like without seeing, like 
you sh- you can't really always expect a lay person to describe those differences to you, especially if they're like a first time parent, you know, like all this stuff. Whereas like if you walk into the room, like you can tell, like that's just stuff that you have to see to, you know. There's like a um, online medical learning portal and they talk about the SAS sign or the SAS sign. And SAS. it's uh, the sh- sickest shit. Oh, yeah, sign. sickest shit. Oh. <laughs> And it's like, you know it when you look at someone like, mm, they're sick. Yeah. Even, you know, moms know it. Dads know it when they see their kid. You're yeah. Like, mm, you're sick. That's like really funny because when I was little, I had a, I had strep throat all the time. And um, like twice a year, you know, my tonsils are huge. And so there was one time when I was like felt really, really sick. And my mom, like, maybe I didn't feel sick, but I was acting, I don't know, whatever. My mom was like, this is the only time like I've ever actually thought that you were sick and I didn't have strep. And she's like, every time that you actually do have strep and you actually are sick, I don't think you're sick. And then the one time that you aren't sick, I like think that you are. And I'm like, well, mom, apparently you have. My mom has a sixth sense for when we're sick. It's like a little crazy. She like diagnosed my little brother correctly with Lyme disease. She like, yeah. That's good though. I have a sixth sense for when people are getting pregnant or like trying to become pregnant. Or getting like, pregnant. <laughs> That's gross. I see Katie. that you're making sweet love. No, not like the exact <laughs> moment. Okay, wow. I have a sense. Fuck that you, you guys. Might be getting pregnant. It's true though because <laughs> Katie can tell if someone's ovulating by putting her hands on their abdomen. Yeah, I can. Okay, so back to Hurricane Harvey, I guess. Um, <laughs> what else is happening? Uh-huh. Um. So apparently medical students are like having to pitch in a lot. How do you cope with that much input? Like just, I mean, so many patients, you're the only functioning hospital. Triage. How do you, Yeah. so what does that involve? For the, I mean, I know, I know from a lay perspective, what triage involves basically means, you know, you look at the patients, you deal with certain patients first because of X and other, but what does that mean in the real world? It means that you have one person who's dedicated, well, not depending on how many, like the size, it means you have a number of people dedicated simply to triaging people, and then everyone yeah. else just. So, like, there's working. a, uh, was is it House or Grey's Anatomy? There's like an episode that actually kind of does show triaging pretty well. Like, there's a um, emergency, and they like have like this colored card system, and so they like when you come in, whatever you have, like you're assigned a colored card, and like a certain color is like the most, like so you know it's like an order. Mm-hmm. So like let's say like red would be like the most acute, and so those are the people that are gonna get seen first. So like if you came in with like you know, if you're bleeding or if you have like an open fracture or if you, you know, something like that, that's going to get you like more to the top of the list than like if you come in with like abdominal pain, that's non-traumatic. So like, um, you know, like abdominal pain suspicious for like a kidney stone or something like that isn't going to get you. And even like appendicitis, like they might start you on like some, uh, like an IV fluids, you know, maybe some IV antibiotics, but you're not going to get a CT before the person who comes in with like a C-spine, you know, injury. So, um, and then, I, I mean, and then there's also like, so the other thing about triaging is that not everyone needs to stay in the ER. So like, so perfect example, someone in labor comes in, you just triage them to L and D. You don't keep them in the ER. You know, like you, it's not your job in the ER to find out if they're in active labor or not. You send them to L and D because that gets them out of your ER. You know what I mean? Um, but unfortunately, like the admission process does to kind of take a lot while, which um, can cause people who like need to be admitted to kind of have to sit in the ER for a long time, which sucks. But is there 
ever a determination made about whether resources are adequate at that moment to save somebody and thus that person doesn't get what they need to as in like survive as in like if they're in a, like a trauma and like you don't have the resources to try to resuscitate them i guess in in the situation that we're talking about in harvey mm-hmm. you know where resources are suddenly scarce in terms of attention even or yeah. or in terms of um you know supplies or stuff i imagine you run out of supplies pretty quick in this environment i yeah. mean i think it, i doubt that it i mean i think that any person who is probably too far gone right now at harvey you know in houston would be too far gone in ge- you know what i they mean in, yeah yeah in general like right. in the sense of there's always that line in right. life where someone might not make it uh yeah well there's like what... a i've talked to like emts and like paramedics and i think that there's like you basically have to if you are like called you know like 911 call to like a scene you like have to like attempt resuscitation or whatever unless it's like very clearly uh, futile so like s- people you know have talked about like how if you know if there's like a decapitation or something right. then you have to like l- but you have to like say that you have to say like there was no resuscitation due to this like right. so you pretty much like have to so I, yeah I don't know if that changes like it, if the standard is lowered in a uh, emergency situation like this I'm not sure I mean I want to say no because I just remember yeah I don't think so all of those all the controversy, you know, out of Katrina mm-hmm. and some of the stuff that went on in the hospitals there. And, you know, there's still a lot of uproar about how they directed resources yeah. and all that. Well, I, so- don't, I don't think probably at Harvey, I mean, in Houston, we're there. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. As far as, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Well, I think I've, like, I've heard of, like, that they are, like, also sending patients to, like, further out hospitals. Um, you know, if they can. Like, they're, like, sending a lot of people to the other hospitals. Uh, well, now that the waters are starting to recede. Yeah. Sure. Uh-huh. I don't know what they could do during the, in the middle of it, but. Yeah. Good crazy situation i know um, well then like the other thing you know like speaking of ambulances like how do you get an ambulance to somewhere that's underwater you know it's like yeah. if you and that's the thing about harvey that's interesting is like there was no mandatory evacuation like it was well, yeah, like optional but yeah which sucks right you know, like yeah. yeah john pianta's wife mara is that her name yeah mara. yeah mm-hmm. uh she was working in South Carolina for the Cajun Navy. Have you heard of these uh, these folks? Mm-mm. These are basically um, boat owners from Louisiana who went to Houston with their boats and just became like an, mm. uh, almost like an ambulance slash reconnaissance service and they're dispatched. Yeah. From, so Mara's, be, Mara's dispatching, I gather, from South Carolina to people hmm. to where they are needed mm-hmm. which is amazing to me yeah yeah I that's think smart just, though yeah i mean it just goes to show you how like i mean our society we're built so much on our institutions and infrastructure and all that and mm-hmm. then how quickly 
it can all just go to shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And how we really do rely on our neighbors. Right. I think I read somewhere that we're basically, what was it, 72 hours? God, this, I feel like um, 72 hours away from basically having no food in, in, in the world today because oh, really? everything is so just in time. There might be food somewhere, but you get, but in a real apocalyptic situation mm-hmm. where infrastructure is, is gone, you know, computers are yeah. down, there's no electricity or yeah. whatever. Uh, it's impossible to get, you know, food distributed uh, the way we're used to. And so we're screwed. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know Maybe. if that number is well, exactly right. That's but. the other thing that like, so, like Corbin said, like, we rely on our neighbors so much. It's really interesting because, like, even, you know, here in Iowa, like, I think that there's, like, a couple medical companies that are in Texas that have been, like, we've had, like, a back, or, um, what's it called? Like, when you can't get something, what's it called? Back order? Yeah, we've had, like, back order of, like, some medical supplies because of the hurricane, which, you know, it's just, like, you don't. And that's how, I mean, that's like true of like oil too. Like, you know, they're saying like gas prices are going to rise because of the floods and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's like when one part of your country is like incapacitated, it becomes harder for the rest of the country, which maybe we should remember a little more when it comes to like ragging on each other. <laughs> basically. That being said, I think that, um, so I was listening to a podcast and they're talking about how all the issues that you care about are those people are still affected affected in flooding situations so like for instance if you're passionate about immigrants rights immigrants are affected by flooding if you're passionate about lgbt rights lgbt folks are affected by flooding and so if you want to help people out you can make a donation to organizations that are working in houston area that you know contribute to a cause that you might be passionate about yeah. Only 15% of Houston peeps have flood insurance on their homes. That's crazy. So that tells us that this is going to be a long road and people are going to need a lot of help. And we yeah. need to step up. Yeah, for sure. Um, with the immig- I just want to touch on the immigration thing too. Um, I, you know, I've like, I thought I, I can't remember where it was posted, but there, somebody did a story about how like there are certain like uh, undocumented peoples who were not like afraid to like call for help you know to be rescued because they're afraid of like uh immigration it's because you know that's because trump Ugh. is putting ice at the fo- the shelters he's yeah. having ice patrol yeah which is totally it's atrocious yeah. it's appalling he's a disgusting person for doing that yeah did you see how he rescued all those people in uh in houston though no <laughs> there no. was basically a a photo somebody doctored up a photo of him reaching out of a uh, of a zodiac uh, to pull a victim from the from the floods <laughs> and uh, it was going around like trump's rescuing people from oh my the gosh it's like guys no he's not even oh, wearing mean, a freaking life the, jacket you mean the man who's dodged the draft like 17 times yeah yeah made a lot of sacrifices yeah he's i mean his middle name is about sacrifice really um it's all about that that's like the really funny thing is so when uh something i don't remember okay first of all there was like a bunch of people on like twitter like social media that were like so trump you know like went to houston 
twice now and there's a bunch of people who were like bashing on obama for not doing anything during hurricane <laughs> katrina who wasn't even who <laughs> wasn't even president yeah and then uh the other thing though is that uh i can't remember what happened there's something else that happened and like I don't know if it was Trump or if it was Obama, but they, like, didn't go. And, like, honestly, probably right now, it's probably better for Trump not to go. The amount of stuff that shuts down and, like, has to happen for a president to visit somewhere is probably, like, way more work than it's worth, you know? Yeah, well, they they did say that he was... I think it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. I know. Yeah, I know. They did say that he was... uh, he was going to visit outside of Houston because because of that. That's it. What wouldn't have been wise for okay for all that to happen. So well, like, that's somebody good. Was thinking about. He uh, though he if you listen to what he's saying, he's just he's an idiot. Whatever. He just, yeah. He, yeah. I mean, he, um, he has no idea how to. Anybody, I, f- I feel like we should. Anybody go down. listening to this podcast is probably not a big Trump fan. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We should probably just not go down this rabbit hole. But yeah. Um, Let's just say I'm surprised anyone in his administration listened to anybody about what they should do. So, um, yep. so anyway, uh, um, what else? Uh, oh yeah, but back to kind of what Corman was saying, you know, like the people that you care about are affected in these kind of tragedies at the same time, which is kind of like what I was talking about also earlier, you know, like normal stuff still, still happens too. So, you know, people are still like ha- having to deal with like their normal health issues on top of, you know, these right. floods and, uh, you know, like people don't always think to like bring their medications with them, you know, and you're like escaping yeah. your, for your life, you know? Um, so there, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that has to start happening and I can imagine um, it would be very hard to manage, for instance, diabetes Yeah, in this situation. Yeah. Cause like insulin has to be refrigerated right. and like, yeah. So it's just kind of crazy. Um, and imagine like a lot of the I mean, I don't know what kind of food they're getting served, but like, yeah, that's it true. may or may not, um, yeah, shelf stable foods aren't necessarily the most, uh, diabetic friendly. Right. Yeah. Oh, is that right? I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of like, you know, like rice and pasta and yeah, stuff yeah. for all, all carbs, all carbs. Yeah. yeah. Um, I never thought of that. You know, like, and like proteins are usually need to be refrigerated or mm. frozen, so. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about, uh, also just like to shed light on, um, so it doesn't get like swept under the rug is there's a ton of forest fires in Montana right now that are also happening. And I think that, um, you know, it's like good to like care about the people in Houston and I totally do, but also like you can't forget about other places like Montana is like, I mean, it's crazy. Also, I admit I have flooding, not noticed that. Yeah. Monsoons throughout the world. Actually, yeah. Yeah. In Southeast Asia well, right did, now. Yeah mm-hmm a lot going on yeah Many people have died so maybe this is just a good reminder to like start uh caring about other, not start caring about, but um like take a moment to like think about other people and like think about what you could do um for other people wherever you are yeah i like it yeah all right anybody got anything else nope just uh donate some money or donate something yeah usually money though is better than things to donate yeah and once we get to like rebuilding though maybe like people will need some things to like you know like rebuild their homes and stuff them and uh yeah money doesn't have to be transported food right food yeah takes money itself to to be transported Mm -hmm. and so it's more difficult to use yeah in a disaster situation yeah that's true all right well okay 
<laughs> I feel like this has been a depressing episode, but enlightening. Just a uh, um maybe here I'll uh I'll lighten it up at the end. So, uh we use Epic at the University of Iowa. And uh last weekend or two weekends ago now, uh Epic had an update over the weekend and so one of the er physicians that works a lot with med students like sent an email to the emergency med interest group and was like hey if you want to come work with me in the er when we're using paper charts because epic's not working and you want to see what it's like let me know <laughs> did he get takers yeah, yeah of, course. of course he would. yeah i'm just like of course like only er physicians would like want to do that That's fucking i feel awesome. like i know uh, it's really funny but i'm like hey it's good it's a good skill to learn i guess yeah, yeah like i said epic, if you I mean, can't do it in the zombie apocalypse exactly it's not a real skill <laughs> well and the ehr goes down yeah sometimes yeah there are periodic they're planned and unplanned outages yeah it happens all the time so yeah yeah you gotta you gotta you gotta have that skill yep but all right well uh you can find us on various social media platforms oh and another plug so i think by the time this comes out we either will be or have already been featured on the short coat podcast not been it'll be coming up in the next few days right we 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 come out on wednesday the show uh the short coat podcast of which i'm a part comes out on thursday right yeah so So. tomorrow if you're listening to this on the day that it's released that's right uh the short coat podcast corbin and i got to co-host yes and uh we also were subjected to a taste test that Ugh, anyway. I was burping up truffle oil it for was the rest so of gross. the day. That it was, can be your teaser. It was disgusting. Um, but yeah, so take a listen. Check that out. That's Dave's other project uh, that's been around a lot longer than we have. Um, yeah. And maybe you're coming over from the short coat. Yeah. So welcome. Welcome. Yeah. welcome. Um, okay. All right. So follow us on Instagram. And my goal is to learn these sometime, but probably Instagram, not. Instagram, at the Vagabonds Pod. Twitter. At the Vagabonds. Facebook. The Vagabonds Podcast. We have a group and a page. Mm -hmm. They're linked. Join our group, though, and then you can talk to other Vagabonds fans and become friends. You can email us at thevagabondspodcast at gmail.com. And we also have a website. But um, just find us on iTunes yeah. or Google Play. I don't recommend spending much time on our website. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the website is a way to get the podcast on. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Well, TTYL. Okay. Bye. bye.